You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. That's right. Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION. Or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. Uh, we'll have a Game 7 tomorrow night in Washington. Carolina, Tommy, the desperate team, the home team, I think the better team last night. And the defending champs uh, will have to win at home tomorrow night to continue uh, their Stanley Cup defense. But I think their Stanley Cup pedigree may pay dividends tomorrow night. <laughs> look, it's been a... It's been a- Look, the Caps were 10-3 and three on the road last year in the playoffs. That ha- clearly hasn't happened this time around. But it still could. They're 0-3 oh, right could. now. They could win their next yeah. 10 on the yeah, road. Yeah, they could uh, if they get a chance to play those. But so far, this has been a home ice series. And uh, if, if Carolina's crowd had a big impact once they get a lead to, you know, I, I think part of the Caps' strategy has been, and they did it early, uh, what is to take the crowd out of the game, and that that's pretty amazing that they, that that they value that so much. Uh, you know, a Caps crowd has to do the same thing. They have to be able to to make it difficult for Carolina to concentrate. I don't know how much how effective that always is, but they raved about it in in in, in Raleigh. I really enjoyed your column the other day on the Caps. I thought it was really well done. Um, and you talked about, you know, the outside world, you know, speaking in terms of the Capitals franchise having Stanley Cup pedigree. Well, they do. They won the Stanley Cup last year. And I think they have played uh, thus far, certainly on Saturday night, with a championship swagger to them. I actually thought they played pretty well last night in the first period when they came out with the intention of ending the series right then and there last night. I really did. I thought that they played well last night in the first period, and then the final 40 minutes, not so good. There was a controversial call, which we will get to here uh, momentarily. And but do you have a pin, uh, an opinion of it? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, but I, I, I did want to mention that our cap segment today is presented, as it has been since the playoffs started, by Mama Lucia. Mama Lucia has a Caps hockey playoff special going on right now. $30 for a large pizza and chicken parm. So large pizza, chicken parm for $30. However, you can get it for $20 if you order online at MamaLuciaRestaurants.com and use my promo code, Kevin Caps, all lowercase, K-E-V-I-N-C-A. P.S. Chicken parm large pizza for just $20 when you order online. Use my promo code Kevin Caps, and that's for either pickup or delivery. First of all, on, on the game itself, clearly, you know, you get into these situations in sports in, in general where you get the team that's down in a series and they're playing a home game and they have a wild, frenzied home atmosphere, which Carolina clearly has. They have a sense of desperation the other team doesn't. And they played like that. Yeah. Um, and even though, the, and I, that's why I thought I was impressed with what the Caps did in the first period to sort of take control early on in that game, scoring the first goal, which is meant the winning team in this series in the first five games. Games, and to take a 2-1 first period lead, and, and I thought the Caps were in pretty good shape. I really did. I thought that they had come out and they looked like the team, not necessarily that it dominated on Saturday night, but a team that had 
you know, uh, the ability to end it last night. But Carolina was desperate. And here's the thing, and, and I'm going to talk in part hockey, you know, language, I'm sure, and, and much of it won't be. The thing that has surprised me in watching the first six games of this series, and I think it does translate to increased win probability, if you want to talk in those terms, Carolina forechecks so aggressively. Like, they are constantly badgering the Caps in their own zone, their defensemen, as they're trying to get set to to move the puck up the ice. They're, they're down there. They're pressuring. They're badgering. They're inching their defensemen into the offensive zone. And what it led to last night, it appeared to me, and has led to this in multiple games in this series, is Carolina's just had more puck possession time. And they've had more opportunities. Now, they didn't Saturday night, but last night looked like games three and four. Actually, Actually, games one and two. Looked a little bit like games one and two also. They they got outplayed in games one and two in terms of of rush, in terms of puck possession, save for the the fortunate goals that they got from Backstrom and, and Ovechkin. I, they they outshot the Caps last night. The Caps have been hitting and have been a very physical team here in the last couple of games. I think going back to Game Four when they when they Hurricanes won Game Three, I thought the Caps had played a better game in Game Four. But am I right that the, that Carolina's forecheck is leading to more puck possession time and therefore more opportunities? They are so aggressive and were last night. Their defensemen had possession of the puck in the offensive zone a lot of the night last night. Like, it just seemed like the Caps were always being pressured. Like, for for a basketball analogy, it's the team that's constantly pressuring defensively. They're pressuring with full-court pressure. They're they're pressuring man-to-man, picking up, you know, at at the half-court line. You know, and it just seems like Carolina at times, and I'm not saying from a hitting perspective, because I know that the Caps have out-hit the Canes and that they have been very physical. But from a style of play, it's been Carolina – that's pressured more and taken it to the Caps a little bit more. And I think it's led to more puck possession time Well, you in know, this series. We've talked about this in other playoffs, in other sports, that the hot team going into the, into the playoffs has an advantage. And Carolina, down the stretch, played some very good hot play, – played the hockey you're seeing now. So in other words, like what they've had is they've had their foot on the pedal for a while – and the Caps didn't have to. They really didn't have to. They played well in spurts. They they won the division, you know. Uh, but uh, Caroline, compared to the 2008 Capitals, the Bruce Boudreaux Caps, that once he took over uh, around Thanksgiving, they went on a tear. They went on a tear, and they played the uh, Flyers in the first round in a seven-game series. And I've talked to George McPhee. And he says out of all the, the failed playoff appearances, he thinks that was their best chance. 2008 first, more their, than 2010. Their first time. Really? He thinks that was their, because of the momentum they had yeah. carrying they into the, the playoffs. They lost the game seven at home to Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, that the, the momentum that they had at the end of the season that carried them to a seventh game. Uh, I forget who, who they were lining up to play after that. But on my podcast, Cigars and Curveballs, he said that once. Because I thought the the... The best uh, postseason Caps team before last year 
were the Dale Hunter caps, and and they were to some extent. But uh, 2008, the Capitals were Carolina, that hot team. Well, Columbus was really hot. Yes, coming into to this postseason, and now they've had to wait. You know. The Islanders in Columbus, because they swept their opponents and now the other two series are going to seventh and deciding games, um, they may have cooled off a little bit. It may be advantage to the two teams that advance out of the Boston-Toronto series and the Washington-Carolina series. Now, last night was interesting, too, because while I do believe Carolina played as the desperate team, the home team, they forechecked well, they, they, they had puck possession advantages, certainly in the last 40 minutes of the game. It was also typical of hockey in that there were there was tons of good fortune for them. You know that first goal by Fogel it, it was. I mean that is just, you know, bouncing off different things and But that's and by, that, that's a playoff goal. Uh, it's a, a spinning, you know, whirling dervish just fires it, it hits a bunch of things and goes in. The the Justin Williams goal? Okay, that's that's out of, out of your mind. That, I mean, seriously, how many times could he do that? I understand the hand-eye coordination with these hockey players is through the roof, off the charts, incredible. But just because you get your stick on a puck that's in the air doesn't mean that it's going to bounce in such a way that it goes under Holpe's legs. You know what that was like? That was like hitting a pool ball while it's going about 50 miles an hour into the pocket you want it to go to. Oh, I'm not... Let me make sure I'm being clear on this. I understand that there is a skill level and that it's not unusual for somebody in hockey to take their stick and pick a puck out of the air and and deflect it somehow. It's the result of the deflection that is a 1 in 25... That this it's going to go in. This was the blink of an eye deflection. <laughs> I know, though. I know. Yeah, but 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 you see the deflections happen all the time, and yeah. that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to redirect the puck in a way in which the it, it, the goaltender's not, you know, anticipating. So are where we it'll assuming go. that he did that on purpose? Oh, there's no doubt he did it on purpose. Okay. But the result of what he did on purpose was flukish. Okay, because the result to me. I don't know what the odds are. It certainly seems like it would be a longer shot than 1 in 10 that it's going to go yes. in. Yes, it does. Okay, so it was that kind of good fortune, too, that Carolina, you know, that went with, that they played with desperation, they played at home, they played well, but they also got good fortune. I mean, that's two, those first two goals are two of the four. The last, uh, or the two of the five, the last one was an empty netter. Right. Um, I mean, the first one, uh, again, uh, that's the kind of goal you see in, in, in playoff hockey when you have traffic in front of the net. <laughs> Your favorite thing. But uh, And by the way, Justin Williams, his success in the postseason, they, and I've heard this said when he was here yes. and now in Carolina, that he just knows how to get it done around the net. You know, and he was he was there a couple of other times with a chance. Now, on the controversial no-goal call, that would have tied it at three three. That sent Ovechkin into you know uh, quite quite a a, a tirade, um, profanity laced. I, I I don't I didn't know the rule until we're watching last night. You see all the replays and you hear Locker and Joe B. And I'm watching that broadcast, not the national broadcast. Um, and Joe B. and Locker disagreed. Locker said that's the rule. He hit the pad. The goalie's pad, Ovechkin did, after Kuznetsov stuffed it in there. I saw, I thought I saw the puck moving a little bit. 
underneath his pad and that wasn't trapped. I think the the referee would have been able to bail himself out of all of this had he just said, I blew the whistle. It was under his pad, I blew the whistle. But he didn't blow the whistle. It was was the, the interference with Ovechkin not getting the stick on the puck, but getting the stick on the goalie's pad, which is not allowed. But the puck was still moving, Tommy, I thought. So I thought personally it was a bad call. By the letter of the law, I thought the puck had to be trapped. Trapped to me means it's not moving. I thought the puck may have still been moving. With that said, the call on the ice was no goal, and I guess they didn't have clear evidence that it should have been overturned. Joe B's point was it's not the spirit of the rule. Right, right. Which really shouldn't matter necessarily, right? But No, I don't know. it shouldn't. But I but I thought I, I thought the puck was still moving, therefore I thought there was some evidence there that the puck wasn't fully trapped, therefore Ovechkin had the opportunity to go for it, whether there's, you know, I guess still at that point, it would it be goalie interference if the puck hits the pad, uh, if the stick hits the pad and not the puck, if the puck's loose, I, I don't know. It we, seemed we, like we, a goal to me. It seemed like if it had been called a goal on the ice, it would have been a goal. It seemed like one to me. Uh, it did? But, yeah, it did. But look, let's remember here, all you conspiracy theorists, the NHL wants the Capitals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They want to see the Capitals move on. They're not interested in seeing the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> move on to face the no. New York Islanders. Caps are a draw right now. They want to see the Caps. So they may be incompetent, but there's no there's no personal grudge That's a good point. against the Washington Capitals. That's a really good point because right now in these playoffs, the Caps are the biggest draw by far. Yes. Not just because they're the defending champs. If they had lost the Stanley Cup final last year, they'd be the biggest draw left in these playoffs. I, I, I think that's true. Certainly in the East, with no Pittsburgh, right, no Tampa, they're the biggest draw left in the East out West. I mean, you've already got upsets galore there. Dallas beat Nashville last night in overtime. I actually stayed up and watched that. That was very exciting. I mean, you talk about an overtime. It, it ended 17 minutes and a few seconds into overtime. And, Tommy, those first 17 minutes of overtime, and, by the way, the last 10 minutes of regulation in a 1-1 game, there were so many scoring chances. <laughs> it was amazing that the game didn't end before it finally did. But out west, Dallas was the lower-seeded team. St. Louis was the lower-seeded team. Colorado was essentially an 8, beating a 1. So you've had that twice in this postseason. And I think that tomorrow night you get the 7th and deciding game between Vegas and San Jose. How about that? That's pretty good. That, that's what they talk about so they're the biggest. Hockey. They're the biggest draw. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know uh, who the stars are that are left in, but nobody's as big a star as Ovechkin. No, nobody is. Speaking of Ovechkin and his temper tantrum, I want to read what Todd Reardon said after the game when he told reporters. Uh, He's all in, an emotional guy that cares a ton. You look back a few years ago, and there were some people that talked about his lack of care four or five years ago. You did. And I think... It's so far from that. He's all about wanting to win. Emotionally wears it on his sleeve. That's not how we want to handle it. But I think a little bit of it shows his passion and desire to win. And then he goes on to say, like I said, four or five years ago, it would have been like, well, why doesn't he react and get mad? And now he's unbelievably passionate 
about trying to do everything he can about pushing our team to the next level and knows that he's going to do everything in his power to help us do it. I expect him to be emotionally involved right from the drop of the puck at home, and I believe in our team. Why bring up this perception of Ovechkin before? Why bring up the old perception of Ovechkin? No, I think it was just a way to illustrate the new what his perception is but now. When, 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 when uh, the view of you changes... That's because it was another way before, and he already—he pretty much on record said people thought Ovechkin didn't care. You didn't think he cared. I don't think he cared enough. Yeah, you know, I don't. You, I think you he felt cared. at this time of the year he was as interested in getting home and playing for his national team, right, as he was advancing in yeah, the postseason. But I mean, to me, to bring this up now is 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 kind of foolish because uh, look, they they've got a Stanley Cup banner hanging from the rafters. They, they've got their name on the Stanley Cup, the greatest trophy in sports. They've got rings. Uh, that None of that can be taken away from them no matter what happens in the seventh game. But years from now, I mean, Ovechkin and the Capitals still have this window of opportunity, however difficult it is, to win more than one Stanley Cup, which many people thought they should have had more than one by this time. Yeah, I no, I I don't I don't have a problem. I I think I know what he was trying to do. I didn't hear it. I think he was, he was he was trying to say, you know, for all of those people that thought that Ovechkin never had that burning desire to win, um, he always has had it. Even though the perception was that he didn't have it before, and now you're really seeing it. I don't I, see him saying he always has had it. Okay, well, I mean, here's the thing: it doesn't matter anymore. Ovechkin. To, the fact that he well, doesn't have does three matter. Stanley Cups it and does Sidney matter. Crosby has whatever We're talking he has. about missed opportunities. Okay, well, it, it would be much worse if they were talking about it, of course. him never of, having uh, won a cup. The 79-83 to 83 Orioles, they went to the World Series in 79. And in, lost to Pittsburgh in seven. In 80, they won 100 games, and the Yankees won 103. In 81, you had the strike uh, split season. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles won more games than anybody in but the American League. But it was Dodgers, League. Yankees. Yeah, because they didn't win their they didn't win the split season. Right. In '82, they lost to the Brewers on the last weekend. You remember that? Yes. They had, they had, it was like a four game set. It, they it, won the first three. It was a remarkable. And weekend. didn't Jim Palmer pitch that last one? Yes. And got beat and badly. Got, got killed. Yeah. Uh, and but, then '83, they won it. And '83, they won it. I know that team thinks they should have had more to show for it than one World Series, and it bothers them. I know the the 86 Mets, who uh, lost out to the 85 Cardinals in the NL East, lost out to them again in 87 Cardinals in the NL East, and then got beat by the Dodgers in the, in the championship series in 88. That team should have had more to show for it than one World Series. So while you always have that to keep you warm at night, there's part of you that thinks about the missed opportunities. I mean, you, you could have been great times great multiplied and I think when he brings that up it, it's a reminder of look you know George McPhee thinks they would have won in 2008 I think the year that they took the Penguins to seven games and then got pummeled six to what six to nothing mm-hmm. or six three uh the road after that for the Penguins was easy the Caps could have had that easy path uh I think there's at least you know the Dale Hunter uh takes the the in the in the uh semifinals Eastern Conference semifinals takes the the Bruins to, to seven games. 
I think any of those three teams could have won a Stanley Cup. And I think that's going to be part of the narrative. It's not going to define him, but it's going to be part of it. You know, as you were saying that, um, I was thinking about, you know, other teams in sports that felt like they should have had more. You know, hockey is one of those sports where you've had these dynasties, whether whether it was the Islanders in the 70s and 80s, uh, Edmonton in the 80s, Pittsburgh, et cetera. Um, Even the Blackhawks. And the Blackhawks had had a, a, a mini run there. You know who probably at the end of the day when it's all said and done will feel like they should have had more? The Patriots. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, they have six. Because they went to how many Super Bowls? They, they, they lost have four. six, but they, they – well, they lost um, – how many did they lose? They, lose, well, they lost to Philly. They lost to the Giants Aaron, twice. how many did they lose? They, they lost three, right? No, they – Brady's been to nine, lost okay. six, uh, one six. Okay, Isn't they, that lost, it? they lost three. Because the page, they they lost to the Giants twice and they lost to the Eagles. Right, and they lost on by such a by such well, at least in some of those games. All a, of them, all yes, of them were winnable true. games by a close margin. Right, um, but but you know the the Bears of the eighties got one yes. in eighty five yes, and it was a team that I think lost to the Redskins twice as a number one seed. Um, in the NFC playoffs, they were certainly a fourteen and two team. One of those years when the Redskins went in there, I think that was the Daryl Green punt return game. And the other year when Flutie had to start for McMahon, I think they had the best record in the NFC, but they certainly had home field advantage. They, Look, and I'm not trying to diminish no, what Ovechkin has done. I'm just I, saying if they lose this series, it will stick in their crawl again because that they seem to be good enough to continue to compete. For the Stanley Cup championship. Well, remember, after the Pittsburgh loss in 2017, people thought the window had started to shut because Ovechkin was getting older and his best was behind him. That was the the conversation after they lost to the Pens in 2017. Last year, when they're down 2-0 to Columbus in the first round, and most people thought that series is probably over, that was the end of it. That was going to be the end yes, of the Caps. Yes, that would have been it. So this, you know, th- they won it unexpectedly last year. They are now in contention in the favorite to win it again this year because of what's happened earlier in the postseason, all after the window was supposedly shutting or closing. Right. I don't know. You know, we say this all the time about hockey, and yet hockey's had these dynasties as we just, you know, laid out, you know, from the Islanders to Edmonton to Pittsburgh. It's just the the postseason results for the Caps, when you go back through it, so many of them were really fluky. Yes. And and some of them, like their Game 7 loss to the Rangers in 2013, the Game 7 loss in 2009, so the, some or of 2010 them. to Montreal. Well, the Montreal thing was a goaltender standing on his head. Yes. You know, the goalie, the, the hockey thing. Um, 2008, you said, uh, that that surprises me, their first playoff team during the Ovechkin era. That Remember, they had uh, Fedorov on that team, yeah, too, I know. in this uh, last year. Right. And, uh, well, they had Fedorov for the loss to Montreal, well, that's right. too. That's right, they did. Right? Yeah. Um, the 2009 home loss in Game 7 to Pittsburgh, when it was 5 to nothing in like an hour and 10 minutes. Remember yeah. that? It was 3 nothing before people got in their seats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, some of so, it, they so, were completely outplayed. So, my, my point is... And Ovechkin, remember, in a lot of the games... Game sevens, 
specifically. I remember going through this last year before the Tampa Game 7. And a lot of those Game 7s, he didn't play well. No. Now, in the postseason in general, statistically, Ovechkin's had very good results. Yes, he has. This is my point is, I mean, I don't think he's he's saying that wasn't true. That 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 narrative Ovechkin before, I don't think he's dismissing well, it. Well, so what's wrong with admitting it? If it is Miss- true, if you're if you're assuming that he's being truthful, what's wrong with talking about a man who's grown? Well, n- there's nothing wrong with it except it means missed opportunities that nobody will care about if you go on to win another Stanley Cup or two. You you would have erased that if you know Alex Ovechkin is done in 17 years and has one Stanley Cup, he'll always have that. I mean, his legacy is set, but people might, might I think some people will look back and say, why didn't he have more? Uh, that, that, I think that uh, that'll be a part of the conversation. I think clearly that will be a part of the conversation. And clearly what he's avoided, though, is the conversation of being Patrick Ewing and Barkley and really a, yes, step, abo- a step above that. They because, can't take that away from him. Because he really was arguably the best player yeah. in the game. And I don't know that Barkley and Ewing were con- – with Jordan in the NBA, they weren't the best player right. in the game. And maybe you know people would say, well, with Sidney Crosby in the game, Ovechkin hasn't been the best player. But – He's certainly, you know, been a Hall of Fame lock, you know, all-time great. And it's just funny the way hockey works. I, I, I know that we get wrapped up into the randomness of the sport, and there's a lot of things that would say that it's not as random when you look at the dynasties. But for the Caps, man, over the years, um, there there was definitely some choking going on in some Three of those to games. 3-1 lead against Three the Rangers. 3-1 leads and... And, you know, not playing well in closeout games or, or seventh games. Uh, I think, by the way, just taking it to tomorrow night, I think they're going to play well and win. I think they are too. I just have a feeling that, first of all, I think – I don't know this to be true. I assume that they're more talented than Carolina. I assume that Carolina, after watching these first six games, that really if Ovechkin and Kuznetsov in particular – play their best. Nobody on Carolina is as good as either one of those two players. Yeah, but but Kuznetsov I know. Is, on, is on the hot seat. Uh, he, and he was basically invisible last night until near the end of the game. And he was really the reason they made their run last year. I mean, if you yeah. go back, I think a lot of people said this, that Kuznetsov was really the MVP of the postseason for them last year. Yes. Now, had, did they miss Oshie last night? They didn't miss him in Game 6. Did they miss him last night? I... I I think they're going to win tomorrow night. I, I, I'm basing it on, for whatever reason, they're a defending champion. They played with this swagger, with this confidence on Friday, on, on Saturday night in a, you know, in a pivotal Game 5 in a 2-2 series. I just would be shocked if they don't play well tomorrow I th- night. I think you're right. You're right on all counts. I would not have felt th- th- this way a year ago. No. Okay, but after what happened well, last year, and then I thought we saw some of that in Game 5. I think it's called a Stanley Cup pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> Just real quickly, because I, I was saying that um, because you had mentioned to me before the show started that there was, you know, that some of the out-of-town announcers were talking about the Caps and their Stanley yeah, Cup pedigree, yeah. which is and, very... And it, it jumped out at the screen to me. I said, whoa, the Capitals? I know they won the Stanley Cup, but now they have a pedigree? <laughs> I thought that was that was that was an impressive turnaround for this organization that uh outside uh announcers basically think of them as a Stanley Cup champion. Now that may seem obvious. They won the Stanley Cup, but uh for a team that was always seen just the opposite direction. I mean like 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 uh 
like Todd Reardon said about Ovechkin. I mean, they were seen in the opposite uh, viewpoint before. I just think it's impressive, the turnaround. You know, part of that, too, is that last year wasn't, you know, a fluke Stanley Cup win. They came back against Columbus. They came back with two shutout victories over Tampa. Um, Pittsburgh in that second round, they got through the the team that had, you know, basically ended their season so many times and, and been the biggest impediment to um, playoff success. And then, you know, they, they gave up a bunch of goals in a frenzied atmosphere in Vegas, and they won four straight, including clinching on the road. And and then the, the celebration, there, there was something about the way the Caps did it last year, too, that I think makes hockey people say, I have a confidence level in this team that I've never had yeah. before. Yeah. Now, I, I can remember last year, after that game one, in Vegas, one columnist in town in particular said the series is over. <laughs> I do remember. Who was series that? series is over. Who was that? I, I mean, remember. you score four goals on the road against Fleury and lose, you've, you've lost your opportunity to win the series. I thought, I thought in that moment it was a brilliant column. I did. <laughs> uh, let, Didn't let, turn out that uh, way. Let's take a moment to, uh, to mention Window Nation real quickly. Uh, have you started your spring checklist? Tommy, do you have a spring checklist? I never have a checklist. I move forward every day with what's in front of me. I just You don't have a to-do list? To-do list. <laughs> Who do you think I am? You are not that organized. Um, <laughs> you got to check right now to see if your hose works. you got to check to see if the lawnmower works. And are the windows easily opened? If you're struggling and it's making noise and there's moisture and they're hard to get open... And maybe they're even cracked. It's time to think about new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Take advantage of their 33% off sale, which is going on right now. You can get 33% off on your entire project, including installation. Windows, siding, and doors. The entire job with install is 33% off. Plus, to make quality even more affordable, get a house of windows for as low as $69 a month. That's cheaper than your cell phone bill. And if you call this week, Window Nation will give you free blinds for every window you purchase. Think about it. Take 33% off your entire order, and for $69 a month, that's about $2 a day, you'll get brand new energy efficient windows plus free blinds if you're in the market for new windows siding or doors give window nation a call to experience their industry best customer service with a free in-home estimate harley aaron and eric they built a company that is one of the best window companies in the nation i know these guys i've used them in the past trust me these guys at window nation will make it work for you let them put a check on your home upgrade checklist. Tommy doesn't have a checklist or to-do list. He just goes with the flow. That's right. You in don't even words, know what you're doing after this show today. You got a column to write. That's all you know. What's Call. in front of me is what is what's on my list. Call 866-90-NATION today or online at windownation.com. Again, 866-90-NATION. You will not be disappointed. Tell them that I sent you. All right, let's get to uh, some... NFL draft talk and actually yeah, just baby. Redskins talk in general. In fact, I, I'll start with this. I don't, I don't know if you saw this, um, but there was a, uh, a poll uh, taken um, by Greg Rosenthal. I'm sorry, it was a, a story written by Greg Rosenthal at NFL.com where he did his NFL general manager rankings. And he, Tommy, basically took the new general managers and put them in a category on their own where they weren't really ranked. 
Um, there, I think there's seven new guys, basically, like Mike Mayock and Eric DaCosta is finally taking right. over for, for good in, in Baltimore and Chris Greer in Miami. And so that left 25 general managers, all right, um, you know, lead guys, personnel guys in uh, organizations to be ranked 25 to 1. I would think somebody with, with, with the Prince of Darkness's credentials – Somebody like Bruce Allen, who's been a front office person for a long time. I mean, you know, Oakland, Tampa, uh, Washington, uh, somebody as respected as that would probably, I think, rank in the top 10, right? Um, no, uh, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> Number one was Belichick. All right. They counted Belichick as the lead personnel guy uh, well, in because New they count him as the lead guy in everything yeah howie roseman in philadelphia was two kevin colbert in pittsburgh uh was three despite what colbert said about ben roethlisberger <laughs> and ben's children yes. his 45 children john dorsey in cleveland flies up the rankings from last year he's number four and dimitrov in atlanta is five i would have thought john schneider would have been he would have been at the top of my list in, in Seattle. Of course, Schneider was here in Washington to start his career off, but he was number six. Um, where does the NFC where do the NFC East guys uh, come in? Well, I mentioned Howie Roseman at two. Um, next up, believe it or not, uh, in these rankings is Jerry Jones at 12. Jerry's considered the lead guy, even though he really isn't necessarily the lead guy. Right. Isn't it Stephen um, Jones doing a lot of the Well, and, and they, they have a, a true general yes, manager um, uh, as well. But Jerry's uh, ranked 12th. Uh, and then Dave Gettleman uh, for the Giants um, comes in uh, at 19. Um, so those are the other three NFC East teams. Mean, Out of wait 25 a minute. Wait people. Wait 19? Remember, You're down to 19 already? And not, I haven't gotten to Bruce quite yet. Oh, that must be a mistake. Um, so out of the 25 general managers, and remember, Bruce does not have a general manager title, just like, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't have, I don't think, a general manager title. I don't think he has but, a human title either, but that's neither but, here nor but there. The, but what Rosenthal's really writing are, are about the key and lead decision makers in these organizations when it comes to, you know, roster management and personnel. Um, seven new guys, not ranked, 25 guys left that have been there. And Bruce Allen, out of the 25, was 25th. Um, this is what Rosenthal writes. Allen has proven excellent at gaining the trust of ownership in Oakland, Tampa Bay, and Washington, bridging the gap between ownership and the football side of the building. However, constructing a long-term vision in any of the locations has proven more challenging. This ranking reflects his body of work rather than just the last few years, along with a preference for management that aims for championships rather than the soft middle of the NFL's standings. I'll remind everybody that Bruce's record is not the soft middle. It's 40 and 72 yeah. Yeah. since coming to Washington. It's the soft bottom is where his overall uh, ranking is, uh, or his record is, which, by the way, he made very clear a year ago, that's what everybody should be judged on in the organization. And, and bridging, record. bridging the gap uh, between ownership and the football side, that falls under weaseldom. That's what that falls under. Weaseldom. That's what it is. It's one way to view it. It's sucking up to the boss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, th th by the way, just because you've had, you know, in, in the last couple of years, you've had these, these seven and nine, you know, seasons, um, 
just because Tommy his record in the last few years. By the way, I've got I, I had the record wrong. Um, fifty nine eighty four and one is the overall record. Uh, forty forty two and seventy was what Pro Football Reference had, and I said that can't be right, and they left two years out. Anyway, fifty nine eighty four and one is his record. Um, just because you've had you've been in the soft middle for four straight years, which they have been nine and seven, eight seven and one, seven and nine, seven and nine. This guy, and and you could say it was Shanahan's organization in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013. And if you want to discount those and just start with 2014 uh, and say, well, Bruce really didn't have you know control of the organization until Mike left. You know, even then, you start with four and twelve, nine and seven, eight seven and one, seven and nine, seven and nine. I guess at that point, you're talking about the soft middle. But overall, Bruce has had a losing record in virtually every place he's been yes. as the lead guy. Um, and, may, you know, I, I he's not a good personnel guy. He believes that he is. There are probably some things that Bruce does well for the owners that he's owned for, Al Davis being one of them. Um, and then, of course, Dan Snyder here. And I think what that is is that Bruce is a good voice in – lieu of the owners that he works for like he is a more preferred league voice he's a more preferred communicator than dan snyder would be or al davis would be or the culverhouse family well al davis be. was pretty near the end of his life when bruce worked for him yeah that's true well then you know, his, I, then I, his I, son yeah I mean, you know, would you want Mark Davis to be the lead communicator? No, no he, um, he looks like a dope. Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't, I can't. The Glazers, by the way, did the Glazers or the Culver Houses own? I think the the, the Culver Houses owned it, uh, but I think the Glazers owned it when Bruce when Bruce was, was there. there. Um. Anyway, uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I well, just, let me just point yeah. out that you know. Bruce's name, Bruce's name came up on another list a few years ago. Yeah, there was least a, trusted, least trusted agent, uh, least trusted general manager among NFL agents in the league. So he's he's got quite a resume. Does he get plaques for this? Being a bottom feeder for both? I don't. You know, I I wonder sometimes whether or not this is like a badge of honor for him, like uh, or, or if it's embarrassing for him. I I don't. I, we've said this a bunch of times. I don't know what his reaction to the fire Bruce Allen hashtag has been. To if virtually anybody that follows football thinking that he's among the worst at what he does. I don't know what his reaction is. I think I, I might don't have know a, what Dan's reaction is. I think is. I might have a guess. Liquor. <laughs> uh, I think I might have a guess. Let's get to the nitty gritty, baby. Let's get to the draft. A couple of things. Let's, let's get to, to what's going to be the biggest story of this draft. Which is what? Which is the Redskins trading for the rights to draft Kyler Murray. You want to bet on that? No, I don't want to bet on that. <laughs> okay. That's that's my... Remember we used to do long shot predictions? Bold, yeah, bold predictions. Bold, bold predictions. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, baby. Dan Snyder has been spending every waking hour trying to figure out a way to get Kyler Murray in a Redskins uniform, and things seem to be slipping in his direction. I think he might be thinking more about getting Dwayne Haskins into a Redskins uniform and how to make that happen. Um, I, again, I mentioned this yesterday. So there's still a lot of smoke around Haskins and the Redskins, primarily coming from Todd McShay, who I watched early this morning basically say, 
just a lot. I'm hearing a lot about the Redskins and Haskins. And he said specifically that he thinks if the Redskins really want Haskins, they're more likely than not going to trade up. Doug Williams told you yesterday that it's more likely that he'll trade back than trade up, but that he, you you almost have to get uh, in front of Denver at ten to be assured of having a shot right. at Haskins. God, I hope they're, this this is not true. Uh, if it is true, I will I will absolutely be adamant that this is now Dan Snyder's pushing and and influence because I don't think the football people think Haskins is a better quarterback than Locke as a prospect, and I don't even think they think Locke deserves to go at 15 overall. Remember, and I mentioned this yesterday, Jay Gruden's comments about a month ago where he said Locke is more ready now. Yeah. Haskins, it's gonna it would take a while. Jay doesn't want to take a while. He guy. doesn't have a while. He doesn't have a while. But I've heard that the football people like Locke more than Haskins. I've also heard recently that a couple of key football people, scouts, like Daniel Jones more than they like anybody not named Murray. So if the Redskins end up on Thursday night or Thursday afternoon trading into a spot and then ultimately taking Dwayne Haskins, I really believe that that would be an indication that Dan Snyder is back involved in a major way. I think he was with Landon Collins yes, to a certain degree. I think they tried to go get Antonio Brown. I think this has been an offseason about Snyder saying, Bruce, I can't take the guys you've been giving me anymore. I'm not getting excited about Orlando Scandrick or Paul Richardson this offseason. You've got to give me more. And then we got to draft a guy that we can build a marketing plan around, that we can sell tickets around. And I think, you know, and Aaron and I talked about this yesterday. After Kyler Murray, Haskins by far and away has the most marketability of any of the quarterbacks in the well, draft yeah, because that's, yeah, but, people but know him. It's a big drop. It's not that big yes, of a drop. Yes, it is. It's a big drop. Well, Kyler Murray, the, the the personality, the dynamic way in which he plays. But Dwayne Haskins was on TV just as much as Kyler Murray was. I know that. You know, in Ohio State, you knew who Dwayne Haskins was. My point, that's fine. Murray a little bit more than Haskins. No. But Haskins, no, not a little bit more. Yeah, it is a little bit more. No, it's not. If you're, you're not selling, a, if you're, you're selling. Not a, you're not a massive football or college but I know, But I know about business. I know about sports business. You do, and that's what. Yeah, you know, I only teach a course in it at Georgetown. Oh God, you know, so I, I know who's going to sell a lot more tickets, and that's Kyler Murray. True, that's my point. True, I wouldn't debate. I would not debate that. Yeah, it's it's Murray big drop to Haskins, and then big drop to everybody. I else. think it's a bigger drop from Haskins to everybody else than it is from Murray to I Haskins. Think you're, you're because I think most football fans never saw Drew Locke play one game. I think most football fans never saw Daniel Jones play one football game. But they saw Dwayne Haskins, yeah, even by accident, you saw Dwayne Haskins play a lot. I will give you that. I'll concede. There's a difference between Murray and Haskins from a marketability standpoint, no doubt. In terms of name recognition, though, Haskins has much more name rec recognition. And people can vision what Dwayne Haskins looks like playing football more than they can Drew Locke or Daniel Jones. Plus, by a lot. He's a family friend. Well, he certainly, you know, was a was a classmate of Dan's son. Yes. Um, this would be a big mistake for the organization to make. 
I don't have, I'm not a draft expert, you know, that's not what Tommy and I have done over the years, although Aaron and I are going to fool around tomorrow with a mock draft and have a bunch of people call in and make the picks for the Redskins. Cooley's going to be with me on Thursday. We'll be we'll do a, a full draft show on Thursday together. Portis is going to be on tomorrow, um, get his thoughts. CP and, and Smoot, actually, of the ex-players in town that are part of the media, they watch more college football than anybody. Um, trust me on Clinton. Clinton watches a lot of college football. Um, but I, I, I do the players that I've watched, you get as a college football fan, Aaron's a big college football fan, watches a lot of games too. From the get go, I was like, this guy is going to be a big bust in the NFL. I just, I would see him panic against pressure. And you can point to the big games that he played in against Michigan and then the Big Ten title game against Northwestern. That's who they played in the Big Ten title game. And then against Washington, who does have a lot of NFL players on their defense. And by the way, he struggled a little bit in the second half of that game, of that bowl game against Washington. If the Redskins make a, a big trade up, you know, they give up a second rounder or, you know, a third rounder to move up a few spots and they take Dwayne Haskins. I personally will not be excited at all. I will, won't be excited if they take a quarterback right now in this draft other than Kyler Murray. And if they made a big move and they went for it with Murray, you know, I would understand that and I would be intrigued by it. Because I do think there's a chance that this guy could be sensational. Yeah, there is. He could be Russell Wilson, but there's also yeah. a lot and we don't know about And he also could him. be RG3 when it comes to off-the-field stuff. He, there's, yeah, I don't I mean, know. come on. You read the Clemco piece. I, I, uh, the, yeah. I mean, there, were, there was another one uh, today about he, he's got some issue. That, that, that Dan Patrick interview was the shape of things to come. From a talent standpoint, he's the one I'd get excited yes, about. No, of course. no one else really. I mean, the Will Greer stuff recently, Ben Standing reported that. I actually would be intrigued by that if they got Will Greer in the second round. Um, or, you know, maybe even more fortunately, the third round, although I doubt it. But man, I would not be excited about Haskins. I really wouldn't be that excited about Jones or Locke either. So are we I, are we off the Josh Rosen train? That's not happening. No, I would still, you know, love to see Josh Rosen for a package of the second whatever, but I I last week I had this sense and, and I'm sticking with it that it's not gonna happen. And I think now more and more here over the last couple of days, including Adam Schefter's podcast yesterday, you're getting a feel for the Redskins being out of the Josh Rosen. Yeah, thing. you are. But you know, you also It could be smokescreen too. It could be smokescreen and look, I mean I'm, I feel confident that the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray, but there's a lot of people that think that it may not happen now. I mean, whatever. It's the NFL draft. We're going to have uh, – we're, we're not going to know until we know. Um, I, I did want to mention um, a couple of things. Number one, we're going to do this draft show. We're going to have a, a lot of draft conversation tomorrow and sort of a, a, a lot of the beat reporters for the Skins coming on to make um, the Skins' 15th pick overall. Um, Cooley will be on 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 Thursday um, as well. Several of you asked if Tommy and I or Cooley and I would do some sort of draft night thing, which we've been doing on radio for years. We're not going to do it. We're going to put a really good show together on Thursday, and you'll be able to listen to it, and then we'll come back and we'll recap everything on Friday. I personally, you know this is the way I felt over the years when we've done these draft shows. I would have preferred myself as a listener 
if I had been a listener to watch ESPN's coverage <laughs> of the draft or watch the NFL Network's coverage of, of the draft or listen to ESPN Radio's coverage of the draft. This is a niche business, this draft business. There are three dozen people, call it, that spend the entire year for these three days, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. They have a much better sense of what's going on than the person that's hosting an all-around radio show or is doing sports on Sports Center or whatever. So I... I, I would much prefer to watch it for the first time in forever because <laughs> I really do think the draft is a great television show on Thursday night. I think it's entertaining in part because you get to listen to these people who have spent the whole yeah. year preparing yeah. for this one night. I love watching Mel. Love watching Mel. I, I like watching ESPN's coverage and have over the years more than, than NFL Network's coverage. But I've never we've never gotten a chance to do it on the first two nights. It's no. always the third day. And m- many times we were working on the third day. But we will have... Are really no, many times I was working on the third day, <laughs> not we. I did for the first couple of years. I, uh, me, I, I, I was the one out at FedEx Field for, for well, the, you and I were together for a couple of times until you talked your way out, and of then it. I was able to talk my way out. Yeah. Of it. Well, I had more heavy lifting on the first two nights. Yes, sure, <laughs> sure, I did. Um, by the way, quick. Um, I, I guess the, the the point that I'm making is if I'm a football fan, and if I'm a Redskins fan, I've always felt this way. And we made money on those draft shows, yeah. So, and so that, that's why, they which were is why they doing, were they were worth doing. You know, yeah. But I would have never tuned in to the you know a bunch of local guys talking about their own team for three hours before the pick was made. I never. I always sat there. You and I had this conversation. Cooley and I had this conversation. I'm like, right now, would you be listening to us? or be watching Mel and McShay and all the people that have been working year-round on this. By the way, with their beat reporters who have all of the NFL contacts and really know what's going on, we'd sit there and basically read from Twitter. Yes. You know, but, but you remember the year we got to interview Josh Larivas. <laughs> I do remember Remember that? that? You thought he was French. I, 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 he reminded me of, of Bluto from uh, <laughs> Animal House. I think he's still in the league. Well, what I was going to say, just let, let, to finish the thought, is once the Redskins are on the clock or maybe a couple picks, that's when you want local guys. And then you would love to hear from the draft choices. And I'm sure 980, I don't know if they'll have the, the ability as a rights holder to get the players. Uh, sometimes we did. We got, we'd get the player you know, within an hour. When Bruce didn't know about it. After they had done the other stations first. <laughs> when Bruce Allen um, didn't know about it. <laughs> right. But uh, I, we're, we're going to do a really good draft show on Thursday, Cooley and I. And tomorrow will be as well. And then Friday we'll be here to, to recap um, the whole thing. Um, I got two things I wanted to say. Are we, are we leaving? No, we're not leaving. Okay. What do you mean? We got a lot more to talk we about. We got a lot more to talk about? Yeah. You know, I'm kind of wiped out here. You're ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I got my lunch pail packed. I'm ready to go. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Um, you know, go ahead. What, what is, no, what? no, I, I don't want I don't want to get in the way of is your this, show. Is this NFL draft related? Oh, no. Okay. I already forgot what Wait, one of them was. You're looking at the clock. You're, you Do you think you're ready to go right now? I thought I was. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say now. Oh, I was going <laughs> to mention that Colt McCoy... JP reported that Colt McCoy um, had another procedure on his leg. You know, maybe that's just getting his toenails clipped. <laughs> no, that's the. I mean, I, I could have, listen. You don't have nails well, on your leg. Listen, when I clip my toenails, it's a procedure. 
Trust me. Oh, I'm sure it is with your toenails. <laughs> they must be attractive to look you know, at. We were, at the Olympics in Salt Lake City, there was there was somebody giving away free uh, pedicures yeah. and, and manicures, and they came up to me, and I said, not unless you have power tools. It's not going to work. <laughs> um, I did have a little bit more before we get to something that isn't NFL-related for you. I wanted to mention just a couple of guys um, – you know, that I'll spend more time talking about in the future. But I do a, with Cooley, I've done this running back thing, which I'll save for Cooley on Thursday. But of the guys that are all sort of projected in that, you know, one through, call it 25 range right now, and and we'll end up with three guys inside the 25 that weren't supposed to be there on Thursday night. Um, But guys that the Redskins may or may not have a shot at, but, but more likely than not could have a shot at. My my favorite players in this draft, in order, um, Kyler Murray to me is the most intriguing at the most important position. And if I were in a position to draft Kyler Murray, if the if all the due diligence said, you know, a lot of this stuff, the Dan Patrick interview, his father being really involved and all that stuff isn't a big deal, I would go for it. If I didn't have a quarterback, I would go for Ky- I would go for it again. The, the the personal stuff not being major red flags, which or, they or, could be. Or the baseball. That's part of the personal stuff. Yes, you're right. But he is really, you know, when you just think about watching him last year and then you watch a lot of the the follow-up tape that's out there, good God, is he, is he gifted and talented. Yes, he is. And, and to me, he's Russell Wilson except even more dynamic with a stronger arm. And if if you end up drafting Russell Wilson, it's not the third round like Wilson was in 2012. Who cares where you get Russell Wilson? And Kyler Murray could be better than Russell Wilson. Um, I love Devin White at LSU. He's, to me, going to be a superstar NFL inside linebacker in the right system, coached by the right guy. But it's going to be, even that won't be able to stop his talent. He was a playmaker every time you turned LSU on. And he just looks to me like a star in the making. Um, I am less sure about the other Devin, Devin Bush. Devin White, to me, is a superstar, can't miss. Devin Bush, question marks, more more question marks. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa, is going to be a star player in the NFL. And by the way, is not getting out by number 10, 9 or 10. Really? Hawkinson's a top ten pick, I, I, easy. I maybe a top him, seven. Pick. I was gonna say I could see him dropping to twelve, maybe, but just because of you know teams are going to be hesitant to take a tight end in the top ten, but he absolutely could be. But he's not going past twelve, that's for sure. Deceiving uh, athletic ability, an all around tight end. Um, I'm not saying that like it's going to be Gronk 2.0 in terms of the talent, but he's big, he's strong, he's got soft hands, he catches everything. And then basically drags people after that. TJ Hawkinson's going to be a star. Perhaps the most talented defensive player in the draft, but I would not take him because this guy has a ton of red flags all over him. There, there are warning signs all over Ed Oliver. But Ed Oliver is the most talented interior defensive lineman in the draft Kevin, from Kevin, Houston. What are you talking about? So what? The red flags... The Redskins are now running a Boys Town. I'm not talking about the Redskins. I'm just taking these are my. I mean, thoughts if you're in the general. Redskins and you got a guy like that, you just put him on the Reuben Foster program. You could put him on the Reuben Foster program at this <laughs> yeah. point. Um, but watch Ed, Ed Oliver on tape. He's un. 
blockable. Yeah. As in, I mean, to me, he really does have next great interior defensive line, um, you know, talent as more of a guy. I'm not talking about a nose tackle, by the way. I'm talking about a D tackle. I'm talking about, in football terms, a three technique guy, not in not an over the center guy, and he's not a D end either. Um, if you've heard me talk about Montez Sweat all year, I love Montez Sweat's talent. I think he'll be a star. The problem is this heart condition, which is why apparently he is plummeting right now. God, I hope he's healthy, and I hope it's not a major risk. If it's not, and somebody takes him later, they may have gotten a steal of the draft. If this heart condition drops him from, we're not taking a top 10 pick and using it on him, it's too much risk. Remember the John Allen stuff. John Allen would have been a top 5 pick, if not yeah. for the arthritic shoulder concerns. I mean, the Redskins benefited from that. You know, somebody may benefit from this heart stuff with Montez Sweat, but I I hope he's healthy. From a pure leadership winner, you know, attitude, you know, attitude um, teammate guy, Christian Wilkins may be number one in this draft. And you can't go wrong with the talent either. Um, the Redskins can get the, themselves a really good guard in this draft. And Chris Lindstrom would be there at 15, I think. He is the number one guard in this draft. He would st- he would start day one. Personally, I don't think you use number 15 overall in when, a guard. When are they going to keep the good guard that they have? Brandon Sheriff? I don't know when that, that, that extension's coming. I have no idea. Um, but Lindstrom is definitely a guy that if they were to take him at 15, you shouldn't roll your eyes at that. He's a great player who will step in and start, and oh, by the way, conveniently fill a major need for them offensively. Uh, by the way, just two more guys. I'm off of Brian Burns as an edge rusher. He is flying up draft boards. I don't personally see it as much. He's too lanky and almost too tall, even though he is explosive. Um, I, I don't want Burns at 15, um, but I would potentially at 15, I would not have a problem, although I, I'm sure people will say you can get this guy later in the first by trading back, but I would not have a problem if they drafted Marquise Brown at 15 overall. Charlie Casserly said it on Friday. He is a difference maker and the only difference maker at wide receiver in this draft. He is another guy that, you know, he, he was injured, but if he's healthy, he's Deshaun Jackson. I personally think Paris Campbell has a lot of Deshaun Jackson in him as well. But if they take Marquise Brown at 15 or if somebody took him that high, wouldn't have a problem with it. All right, go ahead. Have you backed up from your initial position a while back saying that overall you just as soon see them do nothing at quarterback? Yeah, I'm fine with them not doing anything. Okay, so so that's that's still well in because play. I, because I wanted the blow up option, right? So I don't want them to reach for a quarterback. Now, if they took Will Greer in the you know if they somewhere in the second round, oh a sec, I'm not talking about a second. Well, round second pick. round pick, Tommy, is a pick in which people are going to say that's the quarterback, that's the guy. I think when you take them third round or later, even though you could end up with your starter. The idea going in is we really like this guy and we could see this guy be our being our starter down the road, but he's not going to come in and start right away. I mean, second round guys here in previous years, I mean, Jay Gruden had one and Andy Dalton. I know. You know, could p- be perceived as a potential week one starter. So if they took Will Greer early in the second round with their second round pick, I think there would be some conversation about Will Greer competing for the job. Not as much if they pick the quarterback at 15, of course obviously. Not. Right. 
Um, but I don't, I don't, I, I don't want them to reach for a quarterback in a draft where you could get difference makers on defense at fifteen. You could get a difference maker and a wide receiver in Marquise Williams and Marquise Brown, excuse me, at fifteen as well. Okay. And it, and again, and I, I mentioned this, like if Chris Lindstrom were taken at fifteen overall and he's a guard. I would not have a problem with that. He is a legitimate day one NFL starter at the position. Well, they got one, Eric Flowers. Right. <laughs> I also think the two positions that they should solve, and I expect them to solve or attempt to solve, is safety, their other safety position, and wide receiver. I think that they will somehow in the first four rounds get a guy that can start at wide receiver and get a guy that can start at safety. And I'd be surprised if a safety and wide receiver aren't taken by the Redskins in their first four selections, which are the first round, second round, and two third rounds. So I would be surprised in those two third rounders, the second rounder and first rounder, if a wide receiver and safety aren't taken. Because I would bet that when they get to the second and third round, that they'll have a safety and wide receiver that will be close enough to the top of their board where they would also be filling a need. Right. And you heard Doug Williams say one thing. We need a go-to wide receiver. Yeah. They need a playmaker, and they clearly need another safety. By the way, did you see that tweet the other day from Landon Collins? We didn't talk about that, did we? About uh, uh, trying to get, what's his name? Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, trying to recruit him? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So for those that missed it, um, Jalen Rams, uh, Landon Collins, new Redskin, safety, um, tweeted out the other day, and I'm looking for it now because I can't find it. Here it is. Uh, It was, I guess, Saturday. He tweeted to Jalen Ramsey, the Jacksonville corner, one of the best corners in the game, but a little bit nuts. If you And by the way, the setup for this is that um, Coughlin and others have been very critical of Jalen Ramsey and him speaking out and lots of, of other things and not showing, not up, showing for, up for OTAs. For OTAs. Um, Landon Collins tweeted to Jalen Ramsey as the newest Redskin, if you don't want to be on a team where your VP, your vice president, is all in the media, all in your mentions, talking about voluntary workouts and questioning your work ethic, then come to the Redskins. Well, I just don't want Landon. First of all, he is he, right now. I think he's under contract with Jacksonville. Yes, and Landon Collins has been here for five minutes. For five minutes, it's yeah. like. But by the way, it just shows his naivete. Because if you've been in the organization for a while, as you said, as you said with DJ Swearinger, the real punishment would have been to make him stay, <laughs> not to cut him. It's like you're not encouraging, you know, potential friends or existing friends to actually come here. No, Landon Collins hasn't been here long enough to realize <laughs> that this is not like a lot better than where he was <laughs> in New York. It's actually worse. But I'll tell you what, Jalen Ramsey's always been one of my favorite corners. I I'd, mean, I would love to see him here. <laughs> of course, you would. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but anyway, he, uh, he wants Jalen Ramsey. Um, he's, can you imagine uh, your corners, Norman and Ramsey? Yes. That'd be pretty good. You know, they'd be having matching celebrations for for every pass they defended. All right. What, what did you had something else? Did you want to talk about Harper and Arietta? No, I don't Jake Arietta calling out Harper for getting ejected. Yeah. What's interesting is you want to talk about the Nats losing last night? Uh, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, Arietta, I, I don't know if he still is, but, uh, he's a Boris client or unless he quit Boris, 
I'll have to see here. He may have quit Boris, but uh, he's a fellow Boris client uh, or has been in the past. Uh, unless I've missed it, I think he's still a Scott Boris client, and it's very unusual for Boris clients to take shots at each other like he did. He took a real shot at, at basically Bryce Harper. It's not something Strasburg ever did. No, 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 he didn't. Uh, all that's missing are the hands around his neck from Jonathan Papelbon. Right. Uh, look, they're going to find out he is exhausting. He is exhausting as a teammate. He is t- he, He's annoying. He's not a bad teammate, but he's exhausting to be around. And you'll have situations like this where he gets thrown out of a game he had no business getting thrown out of. Uh, and he's going to wind up, he could wind up being suspended for his, his little outburst as as well. Can I just real quickly, for those that missed it, just read what Jake Arietta said. Arietta was very critical of Harper getting ejected. By the way, if you've seen the video of Harper running out from the dugout, he had already been tossed. Yeah. The umpire tossed him when he was, you know, when he was yapping. Um, from uh, from the dugout, but Arietta, uh, you know, was was disappointed, and he said, "We need quote, we need him in right field. I don't care how bad the ump is, I need him in right field. I need him at the plate, and he wasn't there, so that hurts. He missed some pitches, but for both sides, talking about the umpire, right? If that's the case, that happens on a nightly basis. Usually, the umpire is going to miss some calls. So what? Next pitch, we've got a game to play." That's not going to go over well with Bryce, baby. You don't think so? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to go over well with him. Well, how, what will be, he took a lot of the blame for it, too, and he said can't happen. You know, in a game like that against the Mets, division rival can't happen. I mean, I think sometimes. No, to have a teammate call him out like that when he's trying to, uh, you know, win over the clubhouse and the fan base, and you've got their star pitcher basically, well, their second best pitcher, basically calling him out. No, no, Bryce is not going to like that. Although Bryce, Bryce did the same thing to Papelbon when he hit Manny Machado with a pitch, basically hung him out to dry after the game right. for doing it. That's, that's what led to the whole thing. Uh, so they're going to find, like, he's a lot like Reggie without the World Series championships. He's, 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 he's got a big ego. He's a. He can be a great Come on, player. He's not Reggie. He's a lot like Reggie. You, as a, he's Reggie got, was he's got exhaust, that big of an ego. Not as big as Reggie. But Reggie's I mean, was outsized all time. Outsized. I mean, exhausting as a teammate to be around. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some I, people are exhausting. I to know. Be around. I, I've worked with somebody that's been exhausting <laughs> over the years. I mean, so, and very annoying at times. So th- that's who he is. Yeah. He's not necessarily a bad guy, but they're going to find that out. Uh, they lost last night too in their first game out in Colorado. Yeah, but that means they'll win tonight, so it'll be five hundred. Be five hundred. Um, all right. Did you have anything else? Yeah, I do. I got a couple of things here. Go for it. Okay. First of all, I wanted to remind you that starting on Monday for two weeks, I'm going to my homeland. I know. I'm going to Italy. Yeah. For two weeks, the first time back in, in the homeland, I've already hooked up with a relative, uh, an Italian relative that I didn't know I had. Uh, we've been, you know, messaging other back and forth. We're going really? to see him. Yeah. Where? In, uh, in Grumo. It's a town, little town, about 20 kilometers from uh, Bari. Bari is a city on the Adriatic yep. Sea. So, uh, you know, we're going to spend a few days there, a few days Rome, and a few days in, in Florence. So I'm really getting psyched up about that. And I'm going to do a scouting mission of the Colosseum 
and tell you, you know, how it compares to Dan Snyder's uh, Redskins. You know, I was plans. I was there last summer. Were you really? Yeah, I was in Italy last summer and went and went to the Coliseum, and and it really is all of that stuff. You know, I can't believe they amazing. let you in the country. Why? That's so hard to believe. You know, the other thing is, are you going? Uh, what? What? So you're going to Rome, obviously. Are you going to Florence? Yes. Florence is awesome. Yes. That that was a fun part of the trip. Yeah, we're going to That's Florence. where we were for a big part of it, or just a few, as you would say, kilometers. So should I drop um, your away. name anywhere? No, you probably don't want to do that. No? I don't think that I don't think I made my mark there. Okay. But but drank a, a lot of wine. Yes. We did that last summer. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We drank a lot of wine and brought a lot of it back with us. Good for you. Yeah. Uh also to one more reminder, um Thursday, May the sixteenth, six to eight PM. At Shelly's back room, my DC Gray's Cigars and Curveballs fundraiser uh, to help our nonprofit baseball organization that helps inner city kids play baseball in DC. For a seventy-five dollar ticket donation, you get three cigars, you get appetizers, you get to take part in in a live auction of sports memorabilia and tickets and services, and there's a lot of good camaraderie. Uh, and uh, Andy Poland has shown up. Mike Rizzo has been there in the past, and even Kevin Sheehan has shown up before. I am going to show up again this year. So I'll be there on May 16th. Again, if you want to find out more or get tickets, uh, contact me on Twitter at Tom Lavero. You can find me on Facebook or email me at TomLavero at Yahoo.com. All right. The only other thing I was going to mention um, were the two NBA games last night. I, I didn't uh, – the, the, the Bucks. The Bucks are really entertaining to watch. Yeah, they are. They're very entertaining to watch. And um, I personally think that Toronto can beat them in a best of seven and will. Uh, the way Boston destroyed Indiana, now that becomes a really interesting series. Milwaukee-Boston here in the next round. Um, I just don't... The NBA is all about earning it. You know, you, you don't go right to the NBA Finals. No, you It's don't. a league that really takes a couple of years to get that playoff experience because it really is a completely different game than a regular season NBA game. Um, and then last night, I, I actually watched much more um, of because I watched the Caps game, which was on during Bucks Bucks Pistons. But I did watch Houston Utah um, last night. You know, there are a couple of places in the NBA that. And, and I know Green Bay is the example in the NFL, but the small market teams in the NBA, Tommy, like in Salt Lake City is a small market yeah. team. Oklahoma City is a small market Indianapolis. team. Portland. Yeah, in Indianapolis. That's a triple-A city. Yeah, it's a triple-A city. Um, it's amazing the way those crowds show up and they are ready for these NBA games, especially, you know, last night in Utah. They're down 3 nothing in the series. The series is over. Nobody. I think it's 0 for 134 or something coming from 3 three nothing down. And that place was lit up. You know, Utah has had one of the more criticized fan bases for opposing players in oh, terms yeah. of vulgar language and Racism. personal attacks yeah. and racial yes. um, taunts, etc. But, my God, I mean... Can you do you ever see in a big city, New York, Boston, DC, Chicago, do you ever see everybody put the t-shirt on where every, you know, it's a it, in Oklahoma City they all, they've all got the turquoise on, you know, on whatever night or the orange night. Do you ever see that in the bigger city? I saw it places? in DC. Well, you see it in hockey, definitely. No, I saw it, I saw it with with the Wizards one year in the Gilbert era because there was one guy who wouldn't put his t-shirt on 
who they kept putting the camera oh, on, really? trying to shame him I don't know. into putting his shirt on. Look, there's a difference between the majority of people putting the T-shirt on oh, this, and everybody putting the T-shirt on. This was everybody. You couldn't find anybody in that Utah crowd that didn't have the white well, T-shirt on for last they night. They found the one guy in, in this uh, Wizards playoff game, and they harassed them the whole night. I think it's one of the unique things about the NBA that they have these smaller market teams where – you know, Utah has the Utah Jazz yeah. in Salt Lake City. They don't have Sacramento. anything else. Sacramento, Sacramento the same things, thing. Yeah. Portland, the same San thing. San Antonio. Oklahoma City, the same thing. San Antonio. That's this, all they've got. Yeah, the same yeah. thing. Um, I but, mean, we're talking minor league baseball cities. Yeah. Is, is what, what we're talking about here. Well, remember back when Portland and Phoenix were essentially the only two I mean, Utah, Salt Lake City, the the New Orleans Jazz moved right. to uh, Utah, Salt Lake in right. what the late seventies. I forget something like that. But in the early to mid seventies, late seventies, it was Portland and Phoenix, and every single one of their games was sold out. Oh yeah, every single regular season game. But they were good. They had some good teams. They were good. Yeah, the Phoenix teams were good, and then Portland had yeah. a really good run. Yeah, where you know they they actually won it. Um where they, they got to the finals. They lost to Detroit and Chicago, right? They got to yeah, the NBA even, finals even before, twice with Portland that stretch in the early 90s. Oh, yeah, well, Walton, the, the yeah. Walton team won it in 77. Right. Yeah. And then probably would have won more had Walton not gotten hurt. Yes. And the Phoenix teams, which you recall, and I think you played against some of these teams with Westfall and Sobers oh, yeah. and yeah. Alvin uh, Adams. Paul and, just went into the, into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Did he? I'm still waiting for my call. Anyway, uh... Both games last night were, were blowouts. Tonight you get a, a quadruple uh, header um, tonight with you know, uh, two, three closeout opportunities. And then the only series in the NBA that got to 2-2, and that's San Antonio and Denver. Make sure you watch, because if you don't, they're going to have to hold a bake sale for the networks because the ratings are so bad. They are terrible, aren't they? I haven't seen the numbers. I'm assuming they're terrible. First because, report I saw was down 26%. You know, all a lot of times, you know, the, your your personal anecdotal sometimes is reflective of uh, in with me in the NBA, I've got friends that when they are watching, I know the NBA's got really good ratings. Uh-huh. And when you go to have a conversation with them like in the last week and they say, I haven't watched any games, I guarantee you the ratings are off. They have to be without LeBron in it. Yes. Yeah, especially in the early round. But the I early think, round, it was just, what is LeBron doing? But I think I think this is more than LeBron. I mean, we're going to get um, we're gonna get some decent... I mean, we're going to get Houston-Golden State here over the next two weeks. That's coming up. I think Milwaukee-Boston is interesting. I think Philly-Toronto could be interesting. Uh, Portland-Denver or Portland-San Antonio um, is probably not going to draw a big crowd. Uh, all right, that's it. I'm done with you if you're done with me. I am finished. Good. Um, want to uh, mention, as we always do, launch workplaces. Um, their Bethesda location is brand new. So if you are looking for smaller offices or a co-working desk, a place to come in a few days a week and get work done in a quiet, uh, professional environment, you're working at home or you're in a small office right now and it's not working out for you, check out launchworkplaces.com. Their Bethesda location, brand new, affordable private office solutions. They've got fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, complimentary drinks, cafe, parking available 24-7. You can get more work done 
done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. Call today for an exclusive free two-day trial. 240-800-6714. That's 240-800-6714. They've got locations also throughout the city. You can find out all of those at launchworkplaces.com. Sorry you missed the Game of Thrones recap uh, show yesterday. Um, a lot of people seem to like the Game of Thrones recap uh, episode. Uh, but one you know, of these I days... Don't, I don't need what? a re- recap because I watched it. No, you didn't. How do you know? Because you can't stand it, and you mock everybody that does watch but it. But maybe I watched it anyway. Uh, you don't even have HBO. How would you watch it? I have HBO. You do? Yes. You're finally paying for yes. th- something other than basic cable? Yes. D- did you watch it? Well, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Answer the question. If you if you I want to I prolong this conversation, you did watch it. I think I, I did answer it. <laughs> you watched it. Maybe I did. <laughs> That's not an answer. It is an answer, but it's not a definitive answer. I don't know. I don't remember. That was Sunday night, wasn't it? It was Sunday night. This is Tuesday. That's a long time ago. Go take a nap. Um, (laughs) Tomorrow, Aaron and I will mock draft to 15, and then we'll have all of the Redskin beat reporters in town, or most of them, call in and tell us who they would take based on the board falling the way we'll make it fall in the first 14, who they would take at 15. Portis is going to be with us, and we'll get his thoughts just on the players he likes and the players he doesn't like. And then Cooley will be with me on Thursday, the day of the draft, um, to preview uh, the entire draft and talk about all the players that he has looked at on film. Have a great day.